I wanted to talk with you all about prayer, prayer. But I didn't want to sit down and like pull out all the regular verses that we've looked at, right? We've looked in Matthew or what is it, Luke 11, Matthew 7, different places where, you know, it's the, um, you know, Jesus teaches to pray and he does the, our father prayer, right? Because we've, we've looked at that before. But there's, we know, we should know, right, how to pray. We should know that Jesus told us um, in, in John chapters 14, 15, 16, that when you pray, pray in my name, right? He taught us with the Our Father prayer, you're praying to Father God in heaven in the name of Jesus, right? Most of us, I, you know, oh, Jesus, please help me, and, and that's fine. I believe God knows our heart, but if we were to actually look at the instruction manual and, like, the proper way we address God, Jesus told us to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and then he will hear our prayers. And for us, you know, we feel so comfortable with God, we address him in any different way. But you have to understand the culture at the time, it was a big deal for them to be able to call God Father. It was a very intimate thing. Um, we're kind of just so used to it now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And most of us relate the best with Jesus, so we just talk to Jesus. But Jesus made it very clear to the people, especially these Jewish people, that this was an honor, that not only was he the son of God, but we are the children of God. That when we accept Jesus into our heart, our relationship with God changes and we become adopted into his family. And so it's kind of like going to your big brother all the time. You know, hey, bro, can you, can you help me out with this or that? Why don't you ask dad? Well, you, you can talk to him for me. Just, you know, can you help me out? You know, and, and, and God, you know, he loves the fact that we love Jesus, and he thinks that's cool, and he's, most of the time, you know, that's fine. But when we get to a maturity, when we come to a realization that, like, I can actually talk to the Father, that I can go directly to him in the name of my big brother, you know, and that he's going to hear me. It's kind of cool when you read through the book of John there, how he says, now, I'm not going to go on your behalf. He says, you're going to be able to talk directly to the Father because of me because of what I did. And so it's, it's really cool. So that's, remember, that's just a reminder of when we're praying, you can talk exactly to the Father God. But what I wanted to look at was in Matthew chapter 8, some examples of people who asked Jesus for help and how he responded to them. And I want to point something out. Now, I tell you guys all the time to read your word. I've been telling you to read the book of John. Has anybody started reading the book of John? I know there's some of you that we were talking to me about reading the book of John. I always say, read a chapter a day, and that always sounds very intimidating to people because when you were in high school and you had to read War and Peace, a chapter took all night, didn't it? Well, a chapter in the Bible is typically one page. And so, like, if you look here, this is one chapter, this one page, chapter 8. So it really doesn't take us that long. So I want to read to you chapter 8. And I'm going to point out some things that I notice when these people go to God. And I wonder if we have that. So John, or Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. 
Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to him. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and this one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go and let it be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed that very moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowds around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple came to him and said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a ferocious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? When he arrived to the other side of the region of the Gesenaries, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off and went into the town and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Okay, so I read one chapter out of the Bible. I would say it was probably less than 10 minutes, right? Did anybody pay attention? Uh That's okay. Obviously, we can read a chapter a day, and it's not going to take us all night. And what I wanted to point out in this chapter were the different requests that were presented to God. 
to Jesus, right? First one was a man that had leprosy. Now, leprosy was this horrible disease. It was very contagious. And if you touch somebody else, they could get it. So it's hard for us to comprehend that because, you know, there's not really anything that we wouldn't want to touch or be around. I mean, I guess maybe the equivalence would be like if somebody had, like, really bad lice or, um, you know, like, there's different skin diseases that, that we know, like, oh, if I go and I'm around that person, I could get it and bring it into my home, and I wouldn't want to do that. Thankfully, obviously, there's medications and things you can do to treat that, but at this time, this would have been something that they didn't have any medication to treat. There was nothing to do. And so this man said to Jesus, he says, you know, if I know who you are. I know that you can heal. He says, if you're willing, you know, you could make me clean. And that's what they called it when the person was healed of the skin disease. And I love how Jesus tells him immediately, I am willing. And immediately the man was cleansed, or what we would see as a healing. Then he went on, and it was the faith of the centurion, right? This, this, who was a centurion? What does that mean? Basically, he was a commander in the Roman army. And so this is a guy that has some sort of authority. And at home, he's got the servant this boy that works with him, and he feels so bad because this guy is sick. So he goes to Jesus, and he's like, I know who you are, and I know what you can do, so will you please heal my servant? Okay, I'll come to your house, right? And, and the man says, oh, you don't even have to come. I know what it's like to be under authority. I know how your power is. Your power, you know, all you have to do is say the word, and it'll be done, because he understands who Jesus is and how his power works. And Jesus is just astonished by that. And it's, I love how it says, just as you believed it would. That's verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. You know, we see this again. And we see it. If you continue reading in, in chapter 9, there's a dead girl that gets raised to life. There's a sick woman. And I love how it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, it says there's some these people were blind. And it says, and he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. So what we see, if you read through Matthew's chapter 8, 9, 10, you see all these different people that come to Jesus that need healing, that have some sort of request. And as they believe it would happen, so it does. The question is, is how did that man that was full of leprosy know that Jesus could? How did this centurion know that Jesus had this authority and that he could do this? What we see here is that as Jesus healed people, as Jesus went through all these different things, the stories were told and the people heard and they believed. And it was as they believed that as they made these requests, they received their answer to prayer. I love how even at the storm, you know, Jesus knows, he believes, he knows that if I just tell the storm to calm down, it'll calm down. You know, I, I always pray for weather you know, depending on what's going on. Like, I know our area needs rain, and so I'm not, like, praying, like, never let it rain, Lord. We know one of the prophets, remember, was it Elijah or Elisha in the Old Testament? At one point, he had 
um, told the leader, there's going to be a famine, and he literally prayed that there would be no rain, and there was no rain for years. And then finally he said, okay, Lord, let the rain come. And when the rain finally came, then they finally had some, some nourishment for the land. But Jesus could control the weather, not only healing in people's bodies. I told everybody when I went on the roof, like, they were like, oh, I'm going to pray for good weather. And I'm thinking, um, I'm the one up there, and it's my faith. I've got to be the one to experience it. I'm praying for really bad weather. Like, I want to go in November. I want it to be cold. I want it to be bad. I want to experience what being homeless is like in November. And people said, do you think you'll have snow? And I said, I'm praying for snow that last morning, right before I leave. Does everybody remember what was happening last Sunday morning (laughs) as I was coming in? Did we have snow? Why? Because I was believing. Now, why did I believe? Why did I have that confidence that if I ask God for this, it will happen? It's because I know that he is willing. I know that he can. And I know that he loves me. See, love is a huge part of our modern-day Christianity, right, what we understand of God. It wasn't so much in, with the Jewish people at this time. Like, Jesus kept telling them, right, you know, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Their culture was eye for an eye. You accidentally poke my eye out, well, I get to poke your eye out, right? Whereas our culture is we need to learn how to love each other. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. But see, confidence in prayer, the confidence that the man who had leprosy had, the confidence that the centurion had, the confidence that these blind men had in chapter 9, the confidence that they had comes from knowing what God is able to do and knowing that he wants to do that for you because he loves you. I love that one verse that says, perfect love casts out fear. See, when we understand that God loves us, we can stop being afraid, can't we? I mean, a lot of us, I'll talk to people, well, what do you think God can do? What do you get, you know, how can, oh, I'm afraid, I don't want to ask God, you know, I, I screwed up last week, I have impure thoughts, I did this and that. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what you think, it doesn't matter what you do. God is greater, God is bigger. He doesn't bless me because I deserve it. He blesses me because I'm expecting it and I'm asking him for it and because he is good. But if we don't have confidence in asking him for those things, we're not going to receive it. That's why I love this. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Do I have confidence? Do I have faith that he's going to provide snow on Sunday morning? Absolutely. Why? Because I asked him. That's simple. Do I have confidence that when I pray for somebody, right, that the cancer is going to go? Absolutely. And if that person, if I can sit down with that person and show them the scriptures and have them bring their confidence level up to mine, then they can receive that prayer I have for them. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. I love this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. See, most of us don't even have a basis to know where to believe for. I'll talk to somebody, okay? You want healing. Well, how do you believe it's going to happen? Well, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. You're being honest. I like that. Honesty is a good policy, right? Start off with, I don't know. I don't know what to believe for, Mary. Well, let's talk about it. 
You know, when I read through these scriptures, I see some people believe that if I can touch the edge of his garment, I'll be healed. And guess what? They touched the edge of his garment and they were healed. Some people believe, well, if you just say the word, Lord, then my servant will be healed. Okay, so he said the word and they were healed. Some people said, if you come to my house and touch my daughter, she will be healed. So he would go to their house and touch their daughter. See, we all believe differently. We all have different ways of understanding God's word. I'll talk to people. What does that mean today, right? Because Jesus isn't here to invite him over to your house. Well, do you believe if the pastor comes to the hospital and anoints you with oil, you'll be healed? I'm going to go to the hospital and anoint you with oil, and I'm going to believe with you that when I touch you, instant healing. When I was on the roof, a lady that has moved to Florida years ago happened to be in town this week. And she stopped by. It was late one night. And she's like, Mary. And I looked down and I'm like, hey. And she had brought a check and, and a donation to our fundraiser. That woman had been friends with me for, for a couple years. And one day I get a text and call from somebody that she worked with to say that she had what they thought was had a heart attack at work. And she had horrible pain. She slumped over, passed out. The ambulance came and took her from work to the hospital. And she was at the hospital. So I rushed over there. And when I got there, she told me that she, what had happened and how when she woke up, she was in the ER and how they had done this, I don't know, they did some sort of scan on her. And the doctor came in, and there was this drawing on this whiteboard next to her bed, and it showed two areas where he had drawn kind of like black spots, and it was like a drawing of her heart. And he had said that there were some blockages in her heart. So they were going to go in the next morning. I guess they take like maybe a stent or balloons or something, and they were going to try to open up these blockages. And that is what was caused her problem. And I'm sitting there, and she goes, but you're going to pray for me. I said, okay, well, what are you believing for? She goes, you've got, she could see I had brought some oil with me. And she goes, you're going to anoint me with that oil that's in your bag right there, and you're going to pray for me. And when they take me in tomorrow, they're not going to find any blockages in my heart. They're going to find everything totally fine. I said, amen. Just as you believe, let it be, right? That was what she was believing for. So I took that oil out. I prayed over her. I left there. I knew the next day her, her, she was scheduled at 10 a.m. At 10.05, my phone rings, and it's her. And I was like, oh, no, right? Did something go wrong? Like, why is she calling at 10.05? She's supposed to be in, in, the, in the surgery right now. She calls me up, and she says, they got me in a few minutes early. I just got out. I had to call you. I'm like, well, what happened? She goes, they went in there with their scopes, and they're looking and doing all this stuff. She said they couldn't find anything wrong with me. She said, they couldn't find any blockages in my heart. God totally answered that prayer. And I was like, yes. Now, I've had other people, same situation, they'll call me up and I'll be like, what are you believing for? And they'll say, I'm believing that God will guide the hand of the doctors and that my procedure goes well. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to pray with you and believe with you for what you want done. Now, is one right and one wrong? Absolutely not. But one had confidence and knew in their heart that they could ask God to have it totally cleared out by his hand. And the other one knew that they had confidence and they could ask God to, to be with the doctors and help them have the procedure go well. And the biggest difference is just their understanding of what they wanted to ask God for and what they were willing to believe for. 
So I believe that you have to have this confidence in prayer. You have to know that you can ask God these things. And it's not based on your goodness or what's going on in your life. It's based on what he has done, what he's able to do. Now, the only thing we have to remind ourselves is, is these are all prayers for personal healing. So it's either the person that's asking for the healing themselves or somebody with authority over them, right? Now, I can believe for somebody else, but if they're not believing for that, it's, it's hard for my belief to fall onto them. Jesus actually went into a, the village of Nazareth, and it said that he could only heal a few sick people, and he was astonished by their unbelief. So here he is, God himself, who literally could touch them and they'd be better, but because they didn't believe that he could do it, he couldn't do it for them. Why? And I've told you this before. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on you. So, like, if you are saying, I don't want to paint my house red, I want to paint my house blue, I can't go to your house with red paint and paint your house red if you want it blue, can I? Legally, you can call the cops on me. Like, that's just not going to happen. And so this is how God works. He wants the person that it's affecting to believe for that. So, you know, that's hard, though, when you're in relationship with other people, right? We've had people say, well, I was praying for my spouse to be healed, you know, and literally after they have died, they found journals where the person wrote in there, I just want to die. You know, I'm putting on a brave face for my loved one, but I'm ready to go, you know, and, and that's hard because we want to sometimes believe for that person. Now, we see biblically where parents would pray for children, totally, we would see that. And so I always tell mamas, you be praying. Dads, you be praying for those kids, right? Because we see that, you know, that's, that's, that's a form of authority that you have over them. So you're believing for them. So we have this confidence in prayer. Where does this confidence come from? It comes from knowing and loving God and knowing that he loves you. and He wants you whole, healed, or blessed. So I love that, like I told you before, that verse, perfect love casts out fear. When we have that love, when we know that he loves us, then we don't have to be afraid. Because what does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Love covers a multitude of sins, right? Love never fails. Love is patient. Like he is patient with us because he loves us. But how do we develop our love for him? Right? It's easy to say he loves me. And I received that. But how do I really love him and have my confidence in him? Now, I would say that it happens when you fall in love with a person. Like, when I fell in love with Todd, it took time and it took getting to know him before I could say it was love and not lust. Right? Let's be real. When you're first in a relationship with somebody, you lust after them. And kissy, 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 huggy, huggy feels good. But... To truly love somebody, to be patient with them, to be kind with them, to overlook, like, oh, they're doing that again, but I love them, so I overlook that. That comes from time and getting to know the person. So, you know, Todd would sometimes text me throughout the day. Guess what? I read the text messages. Sometimes I'd read them over and over again, depending on what they were. We would talk on the phone. I, he, Todd, if you guys all know Todd very well, he's not like a huge talker. We would sometimes, when we were first dating, talk on the phone for like a couple hours at a time. Isn't that hard to believe, right? Like what man wants to talk to a woman for a couple hours? But you, when, you're, when you're in that love and getting to know somebody, it's like you just want to hear more. You want to know more. So how do we fall in love with God? We have to read the word to get to know him. 
And that's why I always encourage you guys, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's, it's four um, biographies written by some of the guys that he was closest with. And it was written for you to understand who God is. He came down in flesh to experience humanity and to be an example for all of us. And one chapter will take you maybe five minutes. If every night before you go to bed or every morning when you get up in the morning or every lunch break at work, you were to take your, out a Bible, and you can, you can do this on your phone. There's apps on your phone. I actually, the other day, um, listened to the book of Matthew. It took me three mornings, literally. Now, I probably had more time in the morning. You know, you can listen while you're brushing your teeth and taking a shower and doing whatever if you have, like, a little Bluetooth speaker in your bathroom like I do. But it was literally three mornings, maybe 30 minutes to an hour each morning, and I listened to the entire book of Matthew. But you can just listen on your car ride into work. If you have more than a five-minute car ride into work, you could listen to one chapter a day out of those Gospels. And what happens is you begin to know who God is. You begin to see the, the heartbeat behind what Jesus believed and what he did. And the thing is, is Jesus told Satan when he was trying to tempt him, remember when he was trying, to, he had gone and he fasted for 40 days. Talk about experiencing homelessness. He was just out in the wilderness, out under the stars for 40 days, hungry. And at the end of that experience, Satan came to him and said, look, you're God, you can do anything. See those rocks over there? Just turn them into bread and just eat. And what did Jesus say? He responded with, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word out of the mouth of God. I often say this, you know, we feed our body three times a day because if our hunger pains of our body get too strong, we're like, I got to eat something. But do you know what the hunger pains of your soul and your spirit feel like? Most of the time it feels like depression, feels like anger, it feels like rage. It feels like loneliness. It feels like so many different things. But we don't recognize that this is a hunger pain inside my spirit, crying out for something more than just food. My body needs the food, but what does my spirit and my soul need? I need that connection with God, right? That's why when we're in here in worship, and you know, we can just be abandoned and just put our hands up and just worship God. It feels so good. And how, how do you measure that? How do you explain that? How do you describe that to somebody else? You can't because it's a spirit thing. It's My body just stood there with my arms up. Any other time? I mean, have you ever watched those survivor shows? They'll, they'll, they'll say to people, all right, put your arms in the air. Now stand there for 30 minutes. You know, and half of them have their arms dropped down. Oh, I can't do it, especially if they're holding on to something. But you get into a good worship service, and you're just worshiping God. I've seen people with their arms up for over an hour just worshiping God. Why? Because it is filling something in their spirit. It's a spiritual connection. It's I surrender. I surrender my body. I surrender this, and my spirit is now going to connect with God's presence, his Holy Spirit that I know is here with me. So when we fall in love with God, it happens when we get to know him. We can have confidence when I pray and talk to God because I trust him. But it's hard to trust a stranger. It's hard to trust your uncle because I don't know your uncle. I haven't been around your uncle. 
Maybe your uncle is the greatest man here in Bay City and would totally, like, I could entrust my life and my finances to his care. But I don't know him. It's nice that you recommend him, but I don't trust him. Maybe I'll trust him with coming over and painting my porch, but I'm not going to entrust him with coming in and babysitting all my kids. I don't know your uncle. What is my point? I get up here and I tell you about God. Do you trust me? Most of you, you I know Mary well enough to know, and, and her relationship with God is great. But when you go to pray for yourself, there's a little bit of, uh, could I really just pray and ask God to take care of this? I don't know if I trust him. I better go figure this out on my own. right? I better go make a few more phone calls. I better, I don't know. Her uncle seems really nice, but I don't know. She talks about him an awful lot, but I don't know. See, we need to stop looking at God as somebody else's uncle. We need to start seeing God as our heavenly father that wants to adopt us and wants to be there for us and wants to be there with for everything. But the only way I'm going to really know that is if I spend time in my word and I fall in love with who he is because I have understood him and I've seen what he did I saw how he responded to things I saw how he handled things so I'm going to read to you this exchange here and it is in Matthew chapter 9 starting in verse 18 so he was being questioned he was you know these Pharisees were asking him all these different questions the religious people of the day says, while he was saying this, a synagogue leaguer came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. See, most people, their daughter dies and they begin planning a funeral. But this guy knew enough about Jesus. He was confident enough to know that he didn't have to plan a funeral. How many of us plan funerals in our lives? Well, that's not going to work. I'm just not going to call them back. I'm going to ghost them and go deal with this over here. Rather than going to God and saying, can you bring this back to life? While he was saying this, the synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Just as he believes. If you come to my house and put your hand on her, she will live. The next time you're sick and you want God to heal you, I want you to have a specific plan. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to take some vitamin C. I'm going to go to bed, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be better. I want you to have a specific plan. I had somebody, you know, when you call somebody else and you ask them to pray for you, sometimes you're giving them that authority. I had somebody call me. um, This was a couple months ago, and they had COVID, and they're calling me, right, as as a pastor, as, as an authority over them, and they were like, I have... I'm sick. I just got up. I need you to pray for me. And so I sent them a text back, and I said, I am praying and believing that you're going to go to bed tonight, and when you wake up tomorrow, you're going to be totally 100% better. You know, that person woke up the next morning with no more symptoms at all, even though the doctor had already given them the report that they had a positive COVID test, and they stayed home for the 14 days that they were supposed to stay home or however long it was. But when I pray for people, I try to tell them, be specific in what you're asking for. So this man says, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him. 
and so did his disciples. So he went with him. He wants to do exactly what you need for that to happen. But just then, a woman who had been the subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, I love that, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. He didn't say, I have healed you. He didn't say the power of Almighty God has healed you, even though we know that that is what was shooting through her body and made her whole. He says, your faith has healed you. Where is your faith at? How do we build up this confidence in knowing that when I ask God something, he's going to do it by getting to know him? He says, your faith has healed you. I love that. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. Why were they playing pipes? Why was everybody there being noisy? Because they were mourning and wailing. That was part of the culture when somebody dies. So everybody had come over, heard that she was dead. They're playing their pipes. They're wailing. They're being all noisy. And he says, the girl is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, I love that. He wasn't about to have this miracle happen with all those doubters in the room. They didn't have faith that she was going to be healed. They laughed. They thought, no, she's dead. I'm wailing for her. Sometimes the people that are the loudest negative voices in our head, you need to put them out of your life, right? Not physically, like don't tell grandma you can't talk to her anymore because Pastor Mary said, "Uh uh-uh, it's not what I'm talking about, right? But don't talk to grandma about your problems. If every time you talk to grandma about your problems, she says, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Right? Don't let her be the one you call if you know she's going to always be a negative voice. Call the church and ask to talk to me. Say, well, I'm believing for healing, but I don't know. I'm going to tell you that I know. And I'm going to read you some scriptures. And I'm going to encourage you. Call one of the elders. And they're going to tell you, I know that our God heals. So he got them out of the house. He said, you guys need to leave. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. Wasn't that what the father had said? He says, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Literally, as he had faith, it happened. The woman with the issue of blood, if I literally just go and touch the edge of his garment, and all she did was set it to herself. That was her faith and her belief. Didn't even say she prayed to God about it. She just knew in her heart. That if she went and touched the edge of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And then, when Jesus went down from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When they had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? He didn't say, Do you really want to be healed? This that. He said, Do you believe? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. I'm going to pray for you today. And I believe that when I pray, God hears my prayers and that he is going to do some sort of miraculous thing in your life. But I want you to take this week to fall in love with the one who wants to bring healing to you. I want you to take this week to begin to understand what he has done while he was here on earth and how he wants to restore your life and bring miracles to you. And that starts with you reading your word 
the the app I use on my phone it's completely free it was it was made by a church down in um, the south it's called U version if you go to the app store and you just type in Bible you should see a U version app and it just looks like a brown Bible with a cross on it and what I like about that is you pick the version you like I preach out of the NIV but there's the New Living Translation which is very enjoyable if you're just listening to it. And it's not a monotonous voice. They, sometimes they'll have different voice actors and different ones, and it's it's very good way to hear God's word. But once you get that app on and you can download the version you want, or you can just do it offline, however you want, when you click, there's a little play button. And when you press play, it'll read to you that word. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. The Bible tells us about Jesus. When we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see all the different perspectives, all the different insights of Jesus' life, your life, God, that you came down to be an example to us, to experience what we've gone through. And we can listen to that, and we can apply it to our lives. As we go through this week, help us, Father God. Because there's times where we need to pray for healing. There's times when we need to pray for a miracle in our finances. There's times where we need the weather to change. There's times where we just need to be able to know that you are with us. And we need to have that confidence that as we believe you will be with us, that that prayer will be answered. So, Father God, help each and every single person here feel your love and know that they can build up their knowledge of you and their confidence in you because you will never leave them nor forsake them. You will be with them and watch over them in all that they do. Touch their lives this week. Give them signs and miracles and confirmation. Give them dreams so that they know that you are real and that you are with them and that you love them, Father God. Help them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Don't forget about the sign-ups in the back and that the blessing shop is open downstairs. And I hope some of you are able to hang out next Sunday with me and get all the Christmas trees up. God bless.